0: Uh, all, right. all right, let's get going. So um, welcome, everybody. Welcome. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. And Edward, I'm going to rely on you to admit and unmute people as they come in. So first, let's talk about the trial. Okay. I was unsuccessful in proving liability on the, on the owner and therefore, I mean, the landlord, So the landlord paid $300,000 and now we we have a case for damages against the dog owner. I wanted to talk about the procedure. I wanted to talk about what I learned, what happened. So this was a live jury trial out in Jackson, California, which is an hour from Sacramento towards Lake Tahoe. So the first thing I did when I'm, out of, when I'm out of town is I look up the demographics of the county. This county is the fifth smallest in California, has 39,000 people. The largest town is, is 2,700 people, and there's two courtrooms in the entire county, right? So I was gonna bring a bunch of people to, to show them the trial and whatever, but because it was such a small county, I decided to come by myself. The way they did it was a live jury trial, and instead of the jury box, they took the entire courtroom, and they labeled like 25 seats about 10 feet apart in the entire courtroom, and we've all 25 people. Now, to add insult to injury, the biggest employer in this county is the state prison, so at least half of them were state prison guards, which are terrible jurors, but Fair jury, fair judge. So we started picking from the first 12 when you do peremptories. And normally if you got one plaintiff and one defendant in California state court, you get six peremptories per side. But when you have multiple parties that are, that have similar interests and in this case it was one plaintiff versus a dog owner and a landlord who I learned in the trial were were aligned. Then it goes to eight per side. So I got eight peremptories and the two of them had to share eight peremptories. And then depending on the judge, they go back and forth. And some judges say, okay, you got eight total, four to each defendant, and you can only use your four, but this judge said any unused of one defendant can be used by the other defendant. And I said, okay, that's fine, all right? Ultimately, we had 12 people at the end of, we used about three peremptories, we had 12 people left, and then we accepted the jury. No alternates, no whatever, right? So the judge was asking early on, if we have less than 12, In a state court, you got to have nine of 12 to have a verdict. And by the way, in closing arguments, you always have to talk to the jury about nine of 12. This wasn't a damage case, but in damages, just as an aside, people think they need to be unanimous. And you have to really hit and show the jury instruction that nine of 12, and I cannot emphasize it enough because nine people will give you more money than 12 people. And what the way it works <clears throat> is that if they think it's unanimous, they may have nine votes for a million dollars and then they go around. Does everybody agree on a million? Nope, everybody agree on 900? Nope, everybody agree on 800? Yes, okay. And they do that when they feel like We really want to be unanimous. So you got to hammer nine of 12, nine of 12, because you may have nine for a million and 12 for 800, and you won't get the million if they don't understand that they can stop after nine votes. Okay, anyway, so um, what happened was the jury instructions, Cassie jury instructions, have a dog bite statute, for dog owners. But there are no jury instructions for landlord responsibility of dog bite. And so the judge gave a special instruction. Now I will tell you that the number one reason that verdicts are reversed is because of special instructions. So most judges, and when you're trying a case, if you can find a pre-printed casey instruction that applies to your claim you want it the judge wants it because that's the number one reason that uh, verdicts get because of special instructions so the judge wound up giving a special instruction that said the landlord has no duty to inspect the property for dangerous animals and two they're only liable if they knew or must have known. And then the dog owner said, yeah, whenever she came over, I took the dog in my car and I drove off and hid the dog from him. And so that was pretty tough to get over. But I got a 100% on the dog owner, but she probably doesn't have that much money. So anyway, no no disrespect. The judge was probably right on the law, um, but it made it difficult. So everything then for me changes and so the issue is if you're going to have an instruction, like a special instruction that is material, don't you want to have that instruction at the beginning of your case. Because when the judge went over and said, I got to prove that they actually knew or must have known, then that changed my evidence for the whole case, Right. And now I have to cross-examine the dog owner and say, you're lying when you said you hid the dog. And then I had to com- prove a conspiracy. And the defendant landowner, landlady, was 94, remote access, confused, and I was like, oh shit, okay. Anyway, but day and a half, easy trial. It's been in my office for three and a half years and we got the first the first 300 for my clients. So any questions? Oh, the last thing, when we started, I talked about COVID being questions, but I found that it was very difficult to ask COVID questions because everybody is COVID concerned, everybody. And it turned out that that the COVID questions did not come up by anybody, including the judge. And it didn't didn't seem to be a big deal. So any questions on the trial, special instructions, how the process works? Jeff? Where did you get the 300000 from? We had previously had high lows that if I could prove liability against the landlord, they would pay a million three. If I couldn't, they would at least pay 300000 I see. That's great. And so, and then I would just go for additional damages against the um dog owner based on whatever percentage liability they had. Thank you. Yeah. Catherine.
1: What does special instructions? How do you get that at the very beginning of your case uh, if the judge hasn't um, ruled on it?
0: So when you submit your jury instructions, (laughs) pre-trial documents, you have to submit agreed upon jury instructions, uh, contested Casey instructions, and any special instructions. And you have to write what the special instruction is. And at the top, you put the authority, the case law that you're grabbing it from. And you can imagine that these special instructions are crazy, right? They're like, I instruct the jury to vote for the defendant. Right, I mean, it's crazy stuff. And, but when you realize that there may be a special instruction that's gonna be given you at least need to ask the judge before you start picking a jury for some indication of how they're gonna rule. Because that changes your voir dire, changes your opening, right? So, any other questions? Now, I consider this a loss, although it wasn't a loss, it was. And I say that because I have gotten past the point of worrying about people think I'm a winner or a loser because I'm a winner, right? But I wanna say any trial lawyer that says they never lost the case is either not a trial lawyer or a liar. But I'm very happy with the experience because the only way that I could get money for my client that was tied up in that case was to do this process. And, and uh, I think the jury got it right actually. I think they were right. So I don't think the old lady knew. So any other questions? Well, and you said that had been sitting in your office for a while, huh? So at least, at least she was able to get some recovery. It was sitting for almost three years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually, Mike, I have another question regarding the high low. How did, how do you go about starting that conversation with opposing counsel to have a high low?
0: So, And we'll talk a little bit about this later, too. You got to think outside the box. So we were going to have to spend X amount of money. And we negotiated this like three years ago. Right. And we were trying to see how could we get this case tried faster, faster, faster. And there there. I mean, she got serious facial injuries. And by the way, she had a mask on and did not look hurt at all. And so we had to describe the injuries, but they wouldn't let the mask come off. So the jury didn't see any of the injuries, Um, but you just got to raise it with counsel. And this is an example. Remember I talk about, we have these these things that we believe in. Oh, I got to send in a a meet and confer letter, or I don't know what the insurance policy is. I got to wait 40 days for them to respond to form interrogatories. And we have kind of forgotten you can pick up the phone or send an email or send a text to opposing counsel. And if they're a pretty good lawyer, they'll short circuit a lot of that stuff. So how did we get a, a high low? The defense lawyer is a, a nice in-house counsel up in Northern California. And I called her and I said, yeah. Hey, look, we can prove whatever. There's positives for you. Positives for me. Why don't we do a high low? Cause you're adamant that the, your client didn't know prove it. If you can prove it, so 300 was less than the value of her injuries. A million three was more than the value of her injuries. So, all right, next, everybody okay so far? Thank y'all. So I hope everybody enjoyed the goal setting process. The, uh, a lot of people did it, jumped in, and a lot of people have followed me, followed up with me and given me feedback. And I wanted to talk about something that if you have your goals, hopefully you have written them out, you put some time on them, and that you have them. And the reason that written goals make it 80% more likely to accomplish is because they become guideposts, right? In whatever way you have them, your binder up on your mirror, whatever, when you look at them, they spur you to action and they become guideposts that, that pull us out of our everyday, mundane, week to week, month to month stuff. And the reason we accomplish those goals is because when we look at those written goals, they, we go, oh, yeah, let me go, right? But here's what is required that makes it more effective. And I found this from a number of people that followed up with me, is that they need to be specific enough to cue you to take particular action. In other words, if you say I wanna lose weight, that is so general that it doesn't give you, it makes it less likely for you to form a plan of action. So instead of having a goal of losing weight, say by In three months or six months, I wanna lose 10 pounds, right? Now, when you look at that particular specific thing, it's accomplishable and it's something that you feel like you can take a step toward. I'm gonna go work out, I'm gonna eat better, I'm gonna push this donut away, or whatever it is we all do, and it's much more likely. I wanna buy investment property. That's so general. Instead, I want to buy three investment properties this year, right? Or in six months, I want to buy one investment property. Instead of saying, I want to be a millionaire, you say, I want to make X amount in a certain defined period. So for everybody who's done their goals, I would suggest you take another look at your written goals and try to make them a little more specific, right? And remember, there's no mountaintop here. I was talking to somebody, they go, I just wanna make sure I do it the right way. And I'm like, there is no right way. And the problem when we all think that there's a right way, we think then there's a wrong way. And if we're not doing it right, then we must be doing it wrong. And if we're doing it wrong, screw it, we're not gonna do it. And that is not what this process is about. It is the process of setting goals. They can change, you can cross them off, you can add more. And the final thing I'll say is renew When you look at them, the idea that everything you want is right outside your comfort zone. So these goals should not be attainable in a week, right? If you can get them done in a week, they're not real goals, right? They're just activities you're gonna do next week. So you gotta push yourself, but be cognizant that you don't have to make goals that are so crazy unreachable because then you shut down, right? And there's no right way and you can change it, but if you wanna be president of the United States, maybe that's not a goal you're gonna, you're gonna beat your head in a while, but maybe you wanna be in something else. So be specific, outside your comfort zone, but not so crazy that it shuts you down, okay? So take a look at your goals again. Next, we're doing, so, When I opened my practice in 2000, there was no listserv. There were no emails. There was no Google. There was Prodigy, uh, you know, phone line. And when you needed expert information, you had a pre-printed book called O'Brien's Evaluator and you would look up and they would list all the, the lawyers who have used a certain expert. And I wrote to those lawyers, plaintiff's lawyers, and said, if you got an old depot, send it to me. And then I opened my practice and I scanned all those depots into a database for me to use, right? And then I started my practice. And for the first three, four years, 95% of my cases I had within one to three months of trial. That's all I did. And so I, all my depots were expert depots. And then I would try 10 cases a year. And I started putting all these in my database for me to use. About three years later, the listserv starts. And people go, anybody got information on Dr. So-and-so? And And I would send it to them. Now, fast forward 20 years. Uh, We have this database that's got about 7,000 expert depots and transcripts that I want to renew everybody's um, ability to ask for anything of that for free. And I would send it to any plaintiff lawyer for free. But then I want to introduce Sheila from Four Corners Deposition Summaries, And Sheila and I were having a conversation and what they do, and I love them and Robin's here too is they would summarize depositions from all these different plaintiff's lawyers all over the area. And a large percent of them would be summarizing expert depots. And so Sheila and Robin have reached out to their clients and said, would you authorize us to donate not only the transcripts, but their summaries to our database? And she's already given us what? Another 100, 120 more depositions. And now in the database is not only the transcript, but a fantastic summary of that transcript. So when we look for cross-examination of how many depots you've done for the defense or ever worked for this, uh, and they all lie, now we can actually have a summary of the transcript. So I just wanted to introduce Sheila, have her talk about what they do, because we use them. And Sheila, if you can explain how the depot summaries that y'all do actually break down by topic and- uh, Say a few words, but go. Welcome. Thank you, guys, yes, very right.
1: much. Thank you for having me on all their talk. And if you don't uh, know who I am, the president and owner of Four Corners Deposition Summaries, and we have been around for eleven years. So you can imagine how many depositions we've summarized. In I mean, tens of thousands of depositions. And and you're right, Mike. Um, the percentage of those are experts. So when we summarize an expert depot, usually it's the same topic. So you go through the background, they go through the, um, you know, the breakdown of cases, how many cases that they, their prior cases, and then they get into the opinions. And then they talk about whether they've given all of their opinions and we capture those as topics. So um, we include a table of contents at no extra charge. And we summarize expert depositions at no extra charge, even though they're harder and they take longer. Sometimes they take twice as long to, to do them. We have a flat rate per page and we don't charge extra for experts. So, the reason I'm super excited about this project is because this is something we've always wanted to do as well. Um, I've actually known about Alderlaw's expert database for years. And I thought at the time, and this is probably before we started working together, Mike, probably. Um, so I, I thought, wow, this is a great idea. Those expert depots are just sitting there. Why not put them to use and help people? And uh, so it was a dream to to make a database out of what we, are working, and what we've done. And I, I never dreamt that we would merge our database with the Alder Law database and create even a bigger and better database. And we don't just work with plaintiff lawyers. Uh, We work with all types of lawyers. We work with civil rights lawyers, Umberto Gizar. I mean, we, we work with products liabilities, asbestos lawyers, even construction and real estate and divorce lawyers. So we will be adding to the database all different
0: kinds of experts. So uh, there's yeah. going to be a lot of. Different and I just wanted I wanted to say thank you to, to to Sheila and to Robin. What a great contribution they've made to all of us. And I will tell you that that we use our services, and it is for most cases the cost that to summarize is a is a recoverable cost as well that you can put into your. Yes. And then. Oh,
1: yeah, we help the lawyers um, recover these costs. Um, we have we have court orders that we we send. Uh, our clients have given permission that when they recover the cost of the depositions, we can forward that order over to you. Um, some some of our clients have it as a cost in the case and get it from the clients, or you know um, take it from the settlement.
0: So. And the the last thing I was going to say is that when you're in trial, what you need is, I have a five-mile rule and a five-second rule. The five-mile rule, I tell my clients that within five miles of the courthouse, you got to think that every person around you is a potential juror. That means don't flip them off, don't grab, flip people off and cut you off, don't grab the last parking spot, don't talk on the phone while you're going through the metal detector, don't jaywalk. Don't laugh hysterically, don't cry hysterically, and don't cuss. God damn it, don't cuss, right? The five-second rule is when you're in trial, if you can't find what you need in examination or cross-examination in five seconds or less, usually you're better off moving on, right? How many times are you like, Your Honor, I'd like to read from, <laughs> right? And the jury's hate. What's great about the summaries is not only do they summarize it, but to the left, they put the topics and they're able to pull out the topics of that conversation. So you can imagine for witnesses, like on this dog bite case, like right when you say, did you ever hear the dog growl? There's a little topic that I can look at and then the summary of where the testimony is. And it's very, very helpful. So I would strongly encourage it. So thank you very much for for being here and doing this. Can um, I change in bit? on
2: something? Yeah, go. No. Yeah, I, I, re- I recall like 10 years ago, I did a trial where I asked for all your depot transcripts. There were like seven the experts that the defense had. You gave me, not kidding, about 40 transcripts. And I had to read all those damn transcripts. And I walked into court with, with boxes of those t- transcripts. I like three boxes of transcripts to impeach the defense experts and uh, it was against Doherty, which, you know, Doherty, he had beat everybody. Yes, they hate he was so arrogant, and he was asking if I had these depot transcripts from, from the Cala people, and I said, who cares, right? But to make a long story short, this depot summary stuff was a long time coming because it would have helped me a lot because I spent numerous hours reading through those depots, and I impeached the witnesses, and I won, but sure, it would have saved me a lot of time if I had had those those depot summaries that Mr. La Sevilla prepares. Yeah. Thank you you for merging all that stuff together. It's really great.
1: We're happy to be a part of this.
0: If you all have expert depots, trial transcripts of crosses, if you've done research on experts and you've got their CVs or their reports, please send them to us You can, in any of the social media on our link tree, there's a a way to connect it. Everybody knows Rita at my office. Rita is the person, just please send us. Reports are really important, right? When you have 40 reports from an expert and the summary paragraph is identical in all 40, it's very powerful stuff, right? So reports, trial transcripts, their website, and of course, their depot transcript. So please contribute. And then anything y'all want from me is free. Speaking of free, nobody's taking me up on the Wire Fund. So the Wire Fund, again, is I used to do it for trial, but now we've expanded it to, for younger lawyers, uh, less experienced lawyers, I will help you fund your case for free. If you lose, I'll eat it. If you win, give me my money back. <laughs> It's called the Alder Law Warrior Fund. And everybody goes, I don't want to use it because there's a catch. And I'm like, there ain't no damn catch, but everything's got a catch. And I'm like, there's no catch, right? And there's no catch. So please, for if if you know younger lawyers, new lawyers, whatever, uh, I want to make that available. I've earmarked the money for it. It's just sitting there. Okay. Last couple of things before we talk uh, before we open it up was the YMCA bag event we here at Casa Loma. So many of y'all contributed so much. You know I'm on the board of the the, the big Metro Y, but we do a lot of uh, volunteering at the East LA downtown YMCA. I go there once a week, and last time we asked what do they need, and they serve so many food insecure people, and. Home ins- homeless and or people that are semi-homeless. And they said, we need um, toiletries. We need toothbrushes, razors, shampoo, hairbrushes, wa- you know, bottled water, diapers, a lot of diapers, stuff like that. And so we decided to do a bag event here in Sherman Oaks because a lot of people on the west side don't want to drive down to, to downtown or, and so we did it here. So many of y'all contributed we put together 250 bags of a whole bunch of different personal hygiene stuff. And that will last East L.A. five weeks to be able to help people. So I wanted to say thank you all very much. Um, we're going to do it again at some point. But um, it, was a, it was very successful. And people, you don't even know, a mom who needs diapers and she doesn't know where to get diapers, uh, you don't even know what it's like to give that person a bag of that stuff. It's amazing. And a um, bunch of people brought their kids. They saw the goats and the chickens, but the kids also participated. And it's just an amazing experience to, to show your kids what it's like to give back. And they everybody was all in, so thank y'all very much. Um, so I'm gonna stop, see if anybody wants to talk. I got some other topics, but, uh, and some other things to talk about, but, we're going really fast, but does anybody have anything they want to talk about? Stuff, you know, we're, we've kind of hit a bunch of things this year, uh, COVID, how's the practices going? Things are, are uh, everybody's getting vaccinated at some point? Anybody? Go, David.
2: Go, unmute. Self here. Yeah, I got vaccinated at CSUN. Yeah. For those of us, 65. But it's great. great. It was a simple process. You're in and out. The first uh, trip was maybe 15 minutes. Then you wait 15 minutes afterwards. They observe you in the car. Second trip, I think I was there 30 seconds before I got the needle in my arm. And it was just terrific.
0: And I had this uh, trial call. I have a pr- the, the case I was on this morning is a preference. And my trial was March. It was like March 3rd or 2nd but the Ventura County judge said, look, our numbers are not gonna allow us to do a live trial. So we kicked it to mid April, even though it's a preference case, in hopes that by mid April, we will have enough jurors to come and do a live trial. But still, especially down here, um, the numbers are pretty tough. Still, that is scaring judges, but it's getting better, huh? Anything else? All right, how many of y'all have started to use Esquire Tech for Discovery? Anybody? I gotta tell you, it's a game changer for our office. I see emails coming up all the time about a client has now opened the Discovery Esquire Tech. I was taught, so what it is for y'all who weren't on it two weeks ago, Prateek Shah, who's a PI lawyer in San Diego, has created a program called Esquire Tech, um, E-S-Q-U-I-R-E-T-E-K. And it's a discovery tool where you can take discovery, download it, it will scan it, put the question, and then put a blank, and then you can email or text your client the entire package, and they'll read the question, fill in the answers either by text or on email, there's preset um, objections that you can check or customize your objections. You check those, hit a button, and it will generate your entire discovery pleading for you. It will also let you know when your client has opened the email or the text and how many of the questions they've answered and how many they haven't answered already. So great. And Pratik said next month, instead of they're going to offer the per- Discovery um, request, like $15 still, but they're going to do a monthly, you can do it as much as you want in a month, a monthly fee. And he said, if you use it for most of your clients, the monthly fee will be more economical. And so we've already seen uh, time and cost savings. And it's just great because you know when your clients are entering Discovery. right? You don't even have to call them. You just know when they answer it. And, the, and most of our clients respond to the text more than the email. And they can dictate the answers in their phone. It's very, very convenient and great. Hey, Evelyn.
1: Hi, Mike, how are Hi. you?
0: Good, so has anybody else had any good or bad experiences with Esquire Tech? I don't get a commission, I promise. Not yet. <laughs>
1: is it is it propounding discovery
0: yet? It's not propounding, but um, I don't know why you, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know how you use it to propound discovery like okay. the, um, the form rock. So remember how we talked about <clears throat> a long, long time ago, what can you do to uh, move all your cases forward? And one of the things is answer form ROGs, even pre-lit and send it to the other side because the reason they're form interrogatories in because they're so helpful to both sides. So what we did is every case we have lit or pre-lit where we have not answered form interrogatories, we sent it to our client, every single one. And as soon as we get the answers in a final form, whether the defendant, has asked for them, whether we have filed suit yet, we send it to the other side. And I got to tell you, when a defense lawyer calls you and goes, hey, I just got this discovery I didn't ask for. I'm like, yeah. They're like, you're not allowed to do that. I'm like, sure I am. Do you need it? He goes, yeah, I meant to do it. I'm like, exactly. Now we're two months ahead. But they also are like, man, secretly, they're like, all right, that firm's a badass. We got to settle this case. And so remember, insurance companies, put you in categories. And I see all, I I talked to some of the lawyers, younger lawyers in my office, people are like, well, you know what, Uh, my client's treating, I know I got two years on the statute so I can file a month before the statute. And I said, don't do that, they go, why? It's still filed. I said, but look, leopards don't change their spots most of the time. And we're all leopards and we all have our spots and insurance companies has figured out that a leopard that has the spot that says, I will file a month before the statute, the other spots on that leopard is, I won't try a case, I will take low ball offers, I won't hire experts, and if you wait me out, I'll fold. Oh, that's not me. Well, leopards don't change their spots. When you get a low ball offer from a pre-lit adjuster and you sit on it for a year, That spot is the same leopard that has, I will not hire experts. I won't go to trial, whatever, right? Conversely, the leopard that has the spot that I will send you farm rods immediately, whether you ask for it or not, the other spots on that leopard is, I try cases, you can't lowball me. I will pay money to experts, and that's how you get money. So not only are you sending the information they need, you are telling them that you are the person the leopard that won't take low ball offers, right? It's why many of the times I meet people and I interview people, I ask them, do they make their bed every day? You're like, what the hell? You'll never see my bed. I'm like, no, I won't. No will anybody else. But that's not the point. Do you make your bed or not? Because the person that makes their bed when nobody sees it is the same leopard who has other spots that are motivated, that move forward, that do stuff, whatever, the insurance companies use it on, on us and I use it on people. There's only about nine different types of people in the world, right? Nine different leopards that generally fall down, which is why when somebody writes me a note, when somebody follows up, when somebody brings donuts to the interview for the staff, hell, we can afford Donuts. But the type of person that thinks ahead that brings those donuts to the staff is the same type of person that's going to stay up all weekend and file that summary judgment opposition. Who's going to try cases and who's going to be interested and read my stuff. Right. So anyway, Um, I forgot to mention that with expert depots, I just bought again. I bought it like four times and I've lost it every time I've moved a great two volume book on taking expert doctor depots. Uh, Some of y'all have seen Dorothy Clay Clay Sims, and it's a it's a uh, book uh, called Exposing Deceptive Defense Doctors. Dorothy has given speeches. She's a lawyer, plaintiff's lawyer around the country. She's been in all sorts of stuff. I think she's been on some of the TBI webinars, but I know it's kind of it's a hefty read. But just the table of contents are some of the most amazing ideas on how to get cross-examination. First, diagnosing the doctor, what to do before and after a defense medical exam, cross-examine at trial, debunking psychological tests, junk defenses to psychiatric and neuropsychiatric conditions, debunking, exaggerating, and malingering claims. Cross examination and depression, PTSD, Crips, ERISA claims, just wonderful stuff. Just wonderful stuff. Now, it does take a little bit, but you don't have to, it's not a book that you have to read from cover to cover. Depending on the type of case you have, you can go directly. And the ideas are phenomenal. And what I'm going to do is when I see some good ideas, I'm sorry y'all are getting so many damn emails, but. But Rita, I'll send it to Rita and then she'll send it to you guys and say, oh, here's a really good thing when you do your cross-examination. If you don't like it, delete. If you do like it, then you'll take some good cross-examining of uh, experts. Last thing, and then uh, we'll talk for the last thing. On, uh, I am a member of of LawWorks, Reza and Punam Torchede, um, together had created a, a law works. A lot of people um, think it's like Justice HQ. It's a little different, but it is kind of a we works for lawyers. And uh, both of my, uh, Alder Law and Zapata Alder Law are members. And it's a, it's a wonderful, um, in COVID, a wonderful way of extending your office. It's not uh, very expensive. I think it's like 250 bucks a month but it's such a wonderful setup and they have a great setup in Orange County and they're expanding. But I wanted to say that because they're doing talk series. Uh, It's open to anybody who wants to watch. And on March 3rd at 10 a.m., I'm actually going down there and I'm going to use their new electronic board and I'm going to do uh, a deposition, taking killer depositions, And it's basically the class that I teach at Loyola. And I'm going to show the new board, talk about techniques to get people to answer your question. And then I'm going to show on the board, the video of past depots as I'm using those techniques and you'll see how people fold. So everybody's welcome. I'll have Rita send it out. But There are techniques that I have developed over the years in depositions that I've talked a little bit about here that you will get people to answer your question. And if they don't, you will get great cross-examination. And I'm gonna not only tell you about it, I'm gonna show you by me doing it live in in, uh, other depositions and how we get it. So that's March 2nd at 10 a.m. It'll be Zoom and remote and everybody is welcome. You don't have to be a LawWorks member to, to do it, but I I just, I am, and I know them, and I work with them, and I love them, and, I'm, and Reson was on the show, Reson was on the show, so. All right, anything else? Y'all feeling better about COVID? Come on. We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. What did Biden say? By Christmas time, it'll be normal again. I'm just looking forward to SEC football starting in uh, September. Going to Europe in October. Come on. Anything else, guys? All right. Yeah, David.
2: Don't forget, LSU Tigers come out to the Rose Bowl September 4th, play UCLA in football.
0: If you're a UCLA fan, I'm sorry. (laughs) But... um, Anyway, thank y'all very much. This is any for anybody anybody who wants to see these later. We have a YouTube channel called Alder Talk, and you guys, all this stuff and all the past, you can go back. If you wanted that, you know Esquire Tech uh, explanation, you can find it two weeks ago, and, and feel free. AJ, uh,
1: sorry. So for depth summaries, uh, probably like text or email, read on a weekly basis. How do we uh, contact Sheila?
0: Oh, Sheila, can you access the chat or Robin?
1: Oh yes. So um, you can email us, call me. You can even call me on my cell phone. It's as public as my
0: (laughs) business. So I see on here that Sheila put in the chat, her email, Robin's email and the 888 number.
1: Yeah, that's our, our business line. Yeah. Any
0: other information you want to give?
1: Yeah, I mean you can call me directly on my cell phone too. All
0: right. Okay. I'm going to put that in there. Sheila's cell is what?
1: 818 269 9896.
0: 9896.
1: So, yeah, I answer every call.
0: Okay? Excellent. Well,
1: anytime, anytime you need anything, any depot summaries, we'll look it up in the in the database and see if we have it, and we can also help you with any future depo summaries as well.
2: Thank you. All right, guys. Mike, I have a question uh, yep. on, on the expert tra- expert depositions. Are you going to create a separate database for uh, like, say, uh, use of force experts, things like that in the civil rights? Because I don't think you had that before. We're working on I that. Tons of, I have tons of depots I could send you. Do it. Oh, awesome. And I think uh, Sheila has Summarize many of them as well. So we
1: just finished a couple for you, and I think Robin's on it. I think Robin <laughs> has
0: another. So two years ago, we gave out thirty-two hundred wow. uh, separate requests for for depositions. It's a great resource. I say if you don't call uh, Rita and ask for this, you commit malpractice because I got we yeah. got so much stuff. It's great. It's great. So guys. Thank y'all very much. Life is beautiful. Perspective is everything, right? Three things we're grateful for. Think about it as we log off. You can always find uh, the sun behind the cloud. So even if it feels like it's not going great right now, this too shall pass. And I really appreciate everybody commu- uh, contributing to our community. So love y'all. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Bye. 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 Bye.